Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here and joining together in the celebration of our, the birth of our Lord and Savior. Such a special time. And I want to um, just spend the rest of our time together reading the Christmas story and bringing about some things that maybe uh, you haven't considered yet. So it's one of those things for people like me, we're like, yeah, we got to do the same message again. You know what I mean? It's every year. It's all that. And sometimes maybe you might feel like that. You're like, yeah, I know the story. But I really believe there's more in this story than we've, we've actually seen yet. I think there's more depth to this thing. I think it's actually a treasure uh, that we should, just like Mary, ponder in our heart, right? So I want to do that today. And <clears throat> funny enough, in the same spirit, I'm going to read the exact same passage that my dad just read. That was my dad reading that passage. That's awesome. We're going to read that same passage. We did not coordinate this, but, you know, in the same translation. But you're going to hear it twice because you need to. It's okay. We're going to go into Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verse 1 through 20 in the Passion Translation. And this time there won't be extremely cute kids to distract you from <laughs> whatever. Uh, but... I really want to, my simple message today is that the Christmas story says to me, there's hope for the least of us. There's hope for the worst of us. There's hope for the most broken, the most burdened, the least. And I want to impart an idea to you that hopefully you can carry to others as you share the Christmas story this year. But I want to point out two things that this is God coming as a baby not just in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough. God, Yahweh, laying in a feeding trough. Not born in the high places, but in the low places. His announcement of his coming was to shepherds in a field, not to kings and palaces. Everything about this story says to me that God is going after the least, the lowly, the worst the broken. He's not coming for those who are all put together and have everything in place. He's coming from y'all that are a mess, all right? You're like, my life's a mess. Good. I have good news for you. Jesus takes M-E-S-S and keeps going with I-A-H. He says, I take mess, turn it into Messiah. I want your mess. He doesn't say clean up that mess. He says, I'm going to use that mess to bring my redemption. And everything about this story says that to me. So I just want to walk through it, and I want to read that story again and pull out some things hopefully you can take away. And today, if you feel wretched, if you feel lost, if you feel like you're the worst, I have good news. I have good news for you. So let's pray and jump into those scriptures again. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming the way you came, for doing all that you've done. Father God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that each heart here, each heart watching online would just be arrested by this story today, that we would slow down, take a moment, and ponder in our heart, just as Mary did, all of these things, that we would treasure them, that we would not be overly familiar, but we would look for the mystery of your kindness and mercy and grace in this story once again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Amen. All right, let's read it. During those days, the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus ordered that the first census be taken throughout the empire. Quirinus was the governor of Syria at that time. Everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiancee Mary left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea to the village of Bethlehem, King David's home. Pause, hard stop right there. Nazareth, literally, Natser, means branch. So Joseph and Mary left the branch town and went to Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. They left branch town and went to the house of bread. You remember what Jesus said? I'm the vine, you are the branches. He's, this is full of mystery and layers here. But I want you to remember that house of bread, okay? King David's ancient home. They were required to register since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. Now, if you don't know the backstory here, this was, she was impregnated by God, by the Holy Spirit. And I cannot imagine a 16-year-old girl trying to convince her friends and family that God put this baby in here. That's never going to be old to me. That's always like, what? It's like, come on. And she had the radical faith to believe it. Think of a woman going through her pregnancy every day, having to remind herself, you're not crazy. God put that in there. You're not crazy. That's the God child kicking in your womb. Every day. Like, I, I didn't make this up. I, this actually happened. And I'm growing a God child in my womb. Imagine the faith that would take. At any point in the nine months, she could have just been like, yeah, I, I Joe, I... I don't know when it happened, but it must have happened because for real. Come on, step into the story here. These are real people named Mary and Joseph, and they had to really deal with the implications of a virgin birth. Like, what did Mary's mom say? Okay, sweetie. Joseph wants to marry you? All right. I guess we're cool. I don't know. I like think about it. This is crazy. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the house of bread, Mary went into labor. Her bun in the oven, the bread of life, got into the house of bread and said, it's time. Ding, the bread is ready. You know, the best thing ever is baked bread. Is you smell it and you're like, oh, it's the best smell ever. That's what it smelled like in the spirit realm because the bread of life entered the house of bread and there it was. Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. You've usually heard of, you know, no room in the inn. Well, they didn't have hotels and inns, okay? What they had were houses that the top upper room was where they would sleep and eat and, like, the community area, and then the lower room would be they, uh, their workshop. So if they're a stonemason, stoneworker, they'd work on in that place. If they had a different trade, they would do their trade there. And then at night, it would be converted into a place for the animals to sleep. Okay? So they're, all of the mandatory census you know, registrants were there in town. And so everybody's guest room was full. All of the living spaces were full. And they had to sleep where nobody wants to sleep amidst the poop of the animals who sleep there at night. Like, I hope, you're, I hope you're not just like, you know, 
getting through this. I hope you're pondering in your heart the message of this. Think of it. The picture of poop-stained hay all around Yahweh in the form of a babe. And you think you're too far gone. And you think you're too dirty. Uh, he, I need to clean myself up. Oh, no, no. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm happy. <laughs> this is the third time I preach this today. I'll preach it once more. I'm going to like it more and more as I do it. So I hope you start to enjoy it as well. It says, that night in a field near Bethlehem, a field near the house of bread, there were shepherds watching over the flocks, their flocks. Suddenly, come on, let the movie of this actually happening, because it actually happened. You understand? This is not like a fairy tale. It's not like Cinderella. Hello? Say this actually happened. Say it so I believe you. Okay. This is not a fairy tale. This really happened. That night in that field, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, the shepherds, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. Poop in their pants, terrified, okay? Like, I've seen an angel with my open eyes once. I was in Galilee. I hid in a stranger's armpit. I'm not joking. She was a very nice older lady. Praise God, okay? She was very kind to me. We didn't talk afterwards, but it was okay. So I was scared to death when I saw it. This is the angel of the Lord appearing in radiant splendor before them. It lit up the whole field, blazing glory of God. I've been to this field. You still feel it. Okay, it's like in the air. I don't know. I've been there. I felt it. So anyway, the shepherds were terrified. Say terrified. Have you ever been terrified? Like really terrified? That, okay? This is not just a bedtime story. This thing is epic. I'm a little obsessed with Jesus and the way he decided to come. I hope to impart some of that obsession to you today. <laughs> terrified, but the angel reassured him. Them saying, don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it's for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. Say, a rescuer was born for me. Come on. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. Pause. The angels did not tell the shepherds that Jesus was born of a virgin. The angels did not say the miracle sign is a virgin birth impregnated by the Holy Spirit. That's not what they said. Here's the miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Why is that a miracle sign? Let's ponder it. We're going to talk about it. Then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared. The very armies of heaven. So not just one angel. The armies of heaven light up the sky. Are you seeing the movie? I'm watching the movie in my head. I'm like, oh. And they go from terrified to, hallelujah, hallelujah. They're just, ah, this is crazy town. They're freaking out. I promise you, you would have been too. And they all praise God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When, their, when the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves 
what the Lord has revealed to us. Now, if you're wondering why this translation says this word, it's because it's the Greek word. In the Greek, it's rhema. Not this child. It's let's go see for ourselves this rhema. They recognized Jesus as the word before anybody else. Come on. I'd also like to point out that this is actually the first time that any shepherd left the 99 to find the one. In the parable Jesus told, it was the good shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one lost. But it actually starts with the shepherds in the field leaving the 99 to find the one that's going to find them. To find the Lamb of God. I think there's a little more to this story. I think we could like swim around in here a little bit. Ponder in our heart, treasure these things. I do. Every year, I feel like provoking the church to actually have the awe-filled wonder of God, of God once again. Not just this, oh, yeah, get through it, routine, read the story, Caleb, go on, I have lunch plans. <laughs> so, they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. I don't like the people open their Bible and turn off their brain. Think about it. They did not have a star. The wise men had a star. We're going to talk about that next Sunday, online only. You all heard about that, right? Yes, online only. Don't come here. Um, we're going to talk about it. The wise men had a star. They had no star. They just, it just says, they found their way to Mary and Joseph. What? Like, think about it. These are shepherds. These are stinky, unlearned men. Okay? And there's a lot of people in Bethlehem for the census. This packed, right? How did they find that house? How did they know which one it was? Did they knock on every door until they found him? Maybe. Did they refuse to give up until they found him? Or did something in their heart just tell them it's this house? Did they get leadership from the Holy Spirit? What happened? I don't know. But I'm amazed that they just found their way to Mary and Joseph. There was no other instructions. Like the angels didn't give them GPS coordinates. You know what I mean? Say, you're going to find a baby laying in a feeding trough wrapped in strips of cloth. Good luck. It's like, where's Waldo? It's the baby in the haystack, not the needle in the haystack. It's like, how is this going to happen? It's the power of God displayed for me. That's what, how I read it. It says, they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, say this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. Often pondered what they meant. That's my charge to every believer here. You need to often ponder what does this mean? What meaneth this? <laughs> the shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angel had said. A few things and I'll let you go. I haven't started my sermon yet. I just read the scripture and talked. Here's the sermon. You ready? <laughs> just have it in a box. He was born in the lower room, not the upper room. Before there ever was a day of Pentecost in the upper room, there was a deliverer in the lower room. The place 
that, again, they would house the animals, but not just any animals. These were the frail animals, the weak ones, those who were the most unprotected in the field at night. They wouldn't want to leave them out there because they could get picked off. They could get harmed. They, they had to bring certain number of, of animals in, donkeys, goats, sheep, to protect them. So not only is it a barn, not only is it smelly, not only is this feeding trough where they would eat, it's for the weakest, most broken beasts of burden. That's where Jesus decided to be born. In the place where the weakest, most burdened beasts would receive rest and recovery. Come on. That's where he chose. The lower room, not the upper room. And he, he announced it to shepherds, not to kings. The announcement was to humbled shepherds, the stinky guys, the guys who smell bad. You would not be comfortable sitting next to the people who Jesus announced this through his angels. You would not be comfortable in this room next to one of these dudes right now. You would be nauseated, okay? These dudes were not like clean-shaven, like kingly, you know, whatever, we think of this as like, oh, you know, it's the glorious announcement and they have, they're all nice and put together on our nativity scene. No, these dudes were a mess. These dudes didn't care. They didn't have mirrors. They didn't care. Okay? Just want to point out that the shepherds watching over their flocks were not just, they weren't like who we picture God would come to. You know? Let me make this announcement to the one, the most strategic people on the planet, the, mon, the ones with the most influence, the ones with the biggest audience, the ones who can get the word out the best. No, 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 the least. And not only that, these shepherds were a certain kind of shepherds. This is some, there's some scholarly debate about this, but I've become convinced that these shepherds actually walked over a specific flock of sheep. They actually watched over the flock from where the Passover lamb would be chosen. They actually were in charge of choosing the Passover lamb. If you don't know, every year Israel would sacrifice in order to appease for the sins of the nation every single year. And they would choose one spotless, white, unblemished little lambkin and protect it until the Day of Atonement where they would kill it. And not only would they protect it, they protected it in a very specific way. They would actually wrap it in strips of cloth and lay it in a manger, a feeding trough with hay on the bottom. That was what they would do to the Passover lamb. It was their job. That's why it was a miraculous sign. The angel said, you're going to see a baby where you place the lamb. You're going to see a child where you put the sacrifice. And these strips of cloth, I don't have time, but some scholars say they were actually the undergarments of the priests from the year pre previous. Like the, the priests would wear these, these like sheet looking clothes. Like they would strip it and use that for the Passover lamb. So clothed in the underwear of the priest, laying amongst the poop in the place where the least most frail, broken beasts of burden would receive nourishment came Yahweh the righteous. I'm obsessed with this. 
a baby in a feeding trough. If that, if that doesn't like, what? Remember what Jesus said? Eat my flesh, drink my blood, or else you have no part in me. Remember when he said, I am the bread of life? Yeah. He's referring to this. He's referring to the fact that he is the sign. He is the lamb of God to be slain for all the sin of the world. Again, the shepherds knew nothing about the virgin birth. Mary and Joseph would have had to tell them that, right? The angels didn't mention it. The miraculous sign was where and how Jesus was placed. And again, not just for animals, but the most broken, feeble, frail. And let me tell you something. Unless we receive the shelter of the Most High, unless we run into his tower in need of rescue, unless we say we are the broken, we are the frail, we are the vulnerable beasts of burden who are trying to figure it out in this world, unless we admit that we are in the field in need of rescue, we will not receive the bread of life. Bethlehem, the house of bread. When you come to Christ, when you receive him, you're transformed from a beast of burden to a new creation, a new creature in Christ. Not the broken and frail, but the reborn, filled with the Holy Spirit. In the house of bread, Christ came as the sacrifice for the most broken and burdened. Here's my whole message today. I don't want, it's, it's, it's a hard line, and I'm not trying to sound accusatory to the church. But I'll just say it the way I heard the Lord say it to me. We're not asking you to come to Christ. We're telling you Christ came to you, and we're asking you to turn to him. So many, so many have heard over and over again, come up here. Climb the mountain. That's why people are afraid to go to church. They're like they're afraid the roof's going to cave in because of their mess. God's like, I came to your mess and built a new roof. I put a roof on your mess and decided to be born there. <laughs> he did not ask us to climb into heaven. It's not survival of the fittest or the most talented or the most put together. God came down from heaven into the lowest place he could find into the most vulnerable and humble place there was on earth. He did this to say to every one of us, you don't have to come to me. I will come to you in your lowest place. Just turn and receive my nourishment. Receive the bread of life. Let me cover you. Let me protect you. Let me feed you. <laughs> you have to turn. There's no receiving a Savior without a need of a Savior. Until you admit that you need a rescuer, there is no rescuer for you. And I'm standing here. It's been all day. I got to do this one more time tonight. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm like, why would you ever refuse it? Like, almost like want to shake you. Like, what is wrong with you? Are you stupid? Like, he's not asking anything of you except to believe that he came and did it all. Receive him. Turn. Admit it. We can all see it. 
I was a broken beast. We were all beasts of burden. We were all a mess. Some of us still are a little bit of a mess. I'm a mess in new ways. (laughs) But Jesus is not requiring anything of you except to receive him. We can be changed. You can be changed from broken beasts of burden to those who carry and manifest the perfect image and likeness of God. You only have to admit that you're broken and in need of a Savior. Like, forget your pride. You even, some of you, I feel like I've been feeling this all day. Some of you hate your life and you're clinging on to it so tightly. Why are you clinging on to something you hate? He asked for the thing you hate to give you his life in exchange. You have to admit that you're broken. You need a Savior. You have to admit that you need shelter from the darkness, even the darkness of your own doing. Like, well, I did this to myself. I deserve it. That's the darkness he came to deliver you from. You have to receive the bread of life. Christ Jesus, the righteous, as your source of nourishment. You have to give up your life in order to gain his. But it's so, so simple. Only believe that Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, is the one true God. And this is the line in the sand. You're like, well, see, you are asking something of me. Yeah, believe the truth and receive his peace. That's what I'm asking of you. You have to believe he is God, that he came as a baby, born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life and died a horrible death. Paying for all your wrongdoings and all of mine. That he rose from the grave three days later and is seated at the right hand of God right now. You believe that and you receive him. You make him Lord of your life instead of you trying to Lord over your life. How is it working out so far? Answer me that. Romans 10, 9 says, all, all who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised from the dead shall be saved. If you choose that today, to come in from the field, to receive the life of Jesus in exchange for your mess, calling him Lord of your life, you will receive the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom of God. I've never met a single human who would say, I don't, I just, I want to do the wrong thing. No, they all say, I just want to do the right thing. I'm trying to do the right thing. I've never met a single human who says, I'll take less peace, please. Oh, I have plenty of joy. Please give it to someone else. No, everyone wants righteousness. Everyone wants peace. Everyone wants joy. That's the offer on the table. That's what you receive when you go to the feeding trough and partake of the bread of life. It's available for the least of us. We don't have to climb to him. This is good news. We don't have to climb to him. He has already come to us. We just turn and receive him. It's believing. That's it. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.